Mindfulness Mode 303. When you can be mindful of who you are and just embrace that, even the parts that are difficult, the parts that you might feel like weird about sometimes. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode, and I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks for joining me today, and thanks for your messages as we celebrate 300 shows. I've been sending out Mindfulness Mode mugs to my listeners, and I encourage you to send me a message telling me a bit about yourself and what you liked about the show. Email me at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. Here's feedback I received from Angel earlier today. Angel said, I'm, I just started listening to your podcast. My husband, Ben, is a veteran with PTSD and a TBI. A few years ago, he did a week with Buddhist monks. It was an amazing time for him. Keeping a mindfulness practice at home has been hard. Thank you for your podcast, which is helping us have mindfulness moments. My guest today has a wonderful ability to help you discover and tell your story so you can connect with others and thrive in your life and business. She calls herself a truth digger. If you're anything like me, you'll love this interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with my bubbly friend, Dawn. Mindful Tribe, we are going to do some digging today. This is going to be interesting. I have a special guest named Dawn. Gluskin today. Hey, Dawn, are you in mindfulness mode? I am actually. I just got off my meditation pillow right before this. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to show up right. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Well, Dawn, let me tell you a little bit about Dawn. Dawn Gluskin is a storyteller, a copywriter, and this is what I was alluding to before, and a truth digger. <laughs> she helps entrepreneurs tell their stories that need to be heard in the world. Now, this sounds simple, of course, but it's just not always as easy as, as it might sound. She's been in sales and marketing for over 20 years, and she grew her first business to seven figures, now wait for this, at age 30. Now, that's pretty impressive. She stands for full self-expression and vulnerability as the means to a well-lived life and a thriving business. Yes. And she's also very energetic and, <laughs> and fun to talk with. So it's going to be great to talk with you, Dawn. But first of all, let's find out, what does mindfulness mean to you? Ah, yeah. So great question. So mindfulness to me is just really about being present, you know, moment to moment to moment. So a lot of the time we, we just get so, we live so much of our life in here. And what that looks like is, you know, reliving the past and just bringing up those memories. Oh, I wish I had done this differently. Or, you know, going into the future and, and being worried like, oh, this isn't gonna work out. Or, But life is now, it's, it's now, and then it's now, and then it's now. And if you Absolutely. can just be really present with that, like life is, beautiful life's out here not in here so that, that's what mindfulness really is for me and, and also um a, a different level of awareness and consciousness you know awareness of self awareness of others awareness of feelings just of your environment it's just everything well it's exciting to talk with you because you draw people's stories out of them yeah and dawn we hear all the time you know tell your story be authentic <laughs> right but it's not always easy to do that. We don't know what parts of our story to tell, what parts yeah. of them not to tell. We want to be vulnerable, but we're not sure how to do it. But you're the expert. How do we make sure we're telling the story that people can resonate with? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it sounds so simple. Just be yourself. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, and it's not, and it's people really struggle with that. And, and the reason why it's inside of, you know, we all want to be liked and loved and accepted and we don't want to be judged. And it can feel really scary to put yourself out there and your real self and then, and then not have it embraced in love. So we kind of go through life um, wearing these masks and kind of showing up how we think people want us to be. So we're, we're living our lives inauthentically and, and inside of wanting to be liked and loved, you know, it's just a human condition, you know, it's our basic survival mechanism is we need our tribe. We need to be, we don't want to be dejected. So that's kind of how we go through life. So when it comes to sharing our story, we're like, well, I don't know if I want to tell this part. They're, they're not going to like me. They're going to judge me. And um, so, so first is getting past that and just realizing you're perfect and whole and complete how you are and just to be that in the world. And people are just drawn to it magnetically, like especially because so many people are living inauthentically. If you're the opposite of that, people are like, oh my gosh, what, what is this? I want to be part of that. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's so much fun to talk with you because you were able to get your story out there. Even in your 20s, you had such a successful business by age 30. What was your first business, Dawn? Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, so, so it's it's kind of funny my story and how I ended up this being my mission and and my business and everything is is ironic and also perfect but I as a little girl as my 5-year-old self knew I was going to be a writer when I grew up and then like the world convinced me you'll never make money doing that so I of course I wanted to be accepted in the world and successful so I, I ended up going to school for uh, sales and marketing okay and or for business and then then I got into sales and marketing as a career and inside of that, I just purely randomly got into the industry of, of selling electronic components <laughs> for a living. Wow. I know people were like, you did what? Because uh, I'm not an engineer and that's not you know, my passion, but I just happen to make good money at it. Um, and for people that are scratching their head right now and saying, what does that even mean? It's um, if you were to like open up your, your iPhone, there's a circuit board inside and, and on that circuit board, there's a lot of little tiny components. So I was selling those in, in mass quantities to like Fortune 500 companies. Um, made, made good money, loved my clients, loved the people I worked with, all that good stuff. But it wasn't my soul's calling. Um, so so I, I ended up starting my own business eventually after being in that industry for a long time and, and just hustled and a lot of heart and, and grew up from zero to $3 million uh, in annual revenue by year two in business, which was, was quite a feat. But um, long story short, I, I always say I had five really incredible years in that business and I was open for seven. <laughs> okay. So the last two went a little south and uh, ultimately I had to shut down the business to a huge financial loss. Um, you know, it was emotionally very difficult, um, just a really hard time in my life and it's perfect. In, in hindsight, you know, I actually realized I created that because I knew it wasn't my life calling. I kept saying, you know, one more year of this and then I'm gonna sell the company and then I'm gonna do what I really love. Like we all kind of do that. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying that, kept saying that. And I, I apparently the universe was listening because <laughs> I got the two by four over the head and it's like, no, no, you're not supposed to be doing this anymore. And uh, so I, I carried a lot of shame around that for a while because I went from being on this pedestal in the New York Times. People were like really like, you know, encouraging us, like we were growing so fast and, mm -hmm. to like being, you know, having a repo man at my door two days after Christmas. So, um, I had, I had to work through all of that, but when I first shared my story publicly, um, it, it was, I, I wrote a blog post called The Power of Owning Your Story on the Huffington Post where I told everybody about this and I was like, I've been scared to like share this because I don't want to be judged. And, but mm -hmm. people embraced it. People were like, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. You inspired me to share my story 
can I hire you to write my story? And, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm really onto something here. And, and it's just blown up from there. And so how long ago was that? So that was about two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you've been writing and working with other people and writing their stories ever since and helping them write their stories. Yeah. Yeah. Inside of, um, I work with entrepreneurs, so it, it's, mo it's like, uh, sharing their story, like if they're going to do a talk, but also websites and, um, other marketing collateral emails, things of that nature. And I also teach people how to write their own. So I have courses and, and, uh, mind, um, mastermind program and, and things like that. So a few different avenues for that. I see. Oh, yeah. okay. So yeah. I, I want to ask you, what was the most exciting place you ever got published on as a writer? Ooh, let's see. Um, well, I, I really, Tiny Buddha was one of my favorites just because I really love um, her content and what she puts out there. And I, it's been the gift that keeps on giving. I wrote an article for Tiny Buddha, um, forget the title, but it was basically about becoming a recovering perfectionist. Uh -huh. And I still get emails and, and this was years and like probably five years ago. Um, and I, and I've, I even got booked to go speak in San Antonio a few months ago from someone that read that article. So that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, connecting with your truth and putting it out there in the world, people that read it and, they, and it just keeps on coming back to you. Um, you know, because so how much time timeless. do you spend actually writing as opposed to helping other people write their story? Oh gosh. Um, that's a tricky balance. Cause yeah, cause I, I like writing for myself and creating content and I'm writing a book that's coming along very, very slow and steady, but, uh, yeah, I have to balance it because sometimes I, I write so much for other people that I'm like, I don't have any juice left. <laughs> like it takes a lot to really get into that state of mind. Um, but you know, some days I'll write for eight, 10 hours, you know, all in, but it's mostly for other people right now. I, I'd like to shift that more and, and write, do more of my own writing, which is why I've created some of my group programs and, and uh, starting to branch out that way. And so you're writing a book. Can you share a little bit about your book and what's happening yeah. there? What, what are you writing about? Yeah. So, um, the book, it's all kind of a working title, but it's going to be something around, uh, getting naked and naked is obviously it's a metaphor and it's for really how we go through life. We, we sort of wear all these masks and we kind of cover up and we kind of, we don't want it to be seen as like our right. protection mechanism. So getting naked is like peeling back the layers and just letting your true self be out there and being okay with that and embracing it. Um, and, and it's very healing and cathartic to go through that process. And then if you are in business, it's actually really good for business too. As I was saying, people are just drawn to that. Yeah, I noticed on your website you have a tab getting naked. Yeah. And then you explained a little bit about it. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very scary thought for most it of is. us. It is. It feels like that. You're like, no, they're gonna see me. Like and it, and that's that's why I love that metaphor so much. But uh it, it is scary, but it's also liberating too to go so through. So when you start working side. with a new client, what's one of the first things you do to start peeling back the layers? Um, you know, we just try to get really clear on who they really are you know like uh -huh. what what they're really passionate why they're you know their business owner so why did you why did you start this business why do you care so much because you can just go get a job and you know have the money deposited in your bank because being an entrepreneur takes something you know it's really sure <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart but uh you know people do it for a reason it's there's something calling them something deeper so really getting in touch with that really getting in touch with who they are like the quirkiness um, the highlights of their life, the lowlights of their life, you know, try to find some humor. We just kind of look at all of that and who they really are. And then how are you showing up in the world and where's the gap and how do we close that? 
And what's the most quirky thing about Dawn? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just one big quirk. I don't know. <laughs> I have so many quirks. My, my sister always makes fun of me because, like, we'll travel together. And I like my water. I like it to be room temperature. <laughs> like, okay. Um, just, no ice water for no Dawn. No ice. <laughs> just, like, little things like that. And um, and then I'm a, a vegan, and, and I eat healthy. So there's always, you know, like, interesting things when I go out to eat and um, – yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm very, my whole life is one big quirk. So what do you do? <laughs> but I embrace out, it. What do you do when you go out to dinner with a whole group of people and there's are very few vegan choices available? What do you do then? I, you know, I usually scope out the menu <laughs> before I go and I'll find something. But if not, I'll try to create and I'm, I'll always prep the waiter. I'm like, you're probably going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but and I ask with a smile, but can you, you know, can we like maybe put this with this and like kind of create my own um, meal and usually they'll work with me, but if not, there's like always like a salad, usually sometimes sure. not a very exciting one, but you know, sure. I, and I travel with like protein bars and stuff just in case. Okay. So how yeah. long have you been vegan? Well, I've been, um, vegan for a few years, but I, I've been a vegetarian, uh, since I was 18 Okay. or no, at 16, 16. Yeah. I wrote a book. I read a book called animal liberation uh-huh. And I had no idea what the book was about. I just picked it up in like a bookstore and yeah. uh, it was by PETA. So now okay. I know who PETA is. I didn't know who they were at the time. Yeah. And it was about factory farming and it was very, very graphic yes. <laughs> pictures, the details. And I was literally horrified and traumatized. And I was like, I'm, I told my parents, I'm like, I'm never eating meat again. And I haven't since. So. Wow. Then, so that was an incredible, impactful oh, book. Yeah. 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 I had no yeah. clue. I just thought, you know, it was like, um, you know, just like a family farm and they live their life. And when the time's up, you know, the time's up and then they end up on the plate. And then I was like, no, it's a business. And it's all about how do we make more money and the suffering. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. And I couldn't in good conscience ever eat meat again. So, and I don't preach about it like people around me do. And mm-hmm. I let them be with it. But yeah, I always. And so what's the mindfulness around that? You know, when we think about those animals, I mean, yeah. we're all here on this on this earth, animals, people, living things. And yet there's so much factory farming. I mean, it's just a massive, massive industry. So how do you deal with that in your mind, knowing that this still exists and takes place and not find that it really bums you out? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, it's hard. That's a really tough one. Um, because you don't want to become resigned to things and just accept them. But at the same time, it's like, well, how can I, as one person, change this that's always been like this and where people, not everyone sees it my way and they're like, well, what's wrong with that? Animals are to be eaten. Like some people, so many people just have that point of view. Yes. Um, so I just think as one person, you, you do your best. You know, you, you live your life the way you want the world to be. And then and you maybe start affecting some of the people around you. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people take a more like aggressive stance on it and, and they really like, you know, get on, a, you know, want the world to know their, their point of view. But I'm a little more subtle and I kind of know people or how they're going to be. And I try to approach it with, with love and understanding, like not make them wrong for it, um, you know, and, and then hopefully to inspire them to make the change. Many people are vegans because of the health reasons and yeah. how they feel and they want to be as healthy as possible. Is that part of it for you as well? Um, I mean, that wasn't what got me to the other side, but it is now. I mean, definitely, I definitely see like to me, like what what's eating me there, you know, there's obviously like the hormones and the antibiotics. And then it's just like having a, a tortured soul. I know that's like a crazy way to put it, but I like how to like having that in my body and how is that going to affect, you know, everything I do in my life, what we put in our body. So that's just 
when I look at it like that, and that's why I eventually turned full vegan. I was like, well, I don't want, you know, the dairy, like I haven't eaten dairy, but cheese was like, I was like, well, I want to eat pizza every once in a while. So even I, knowing what I know, still had that little part of me was that was like, well, it's convenient and it tastes good. Um, and then I was like, well, no, cause now, you know, because there's still a, an animal involved in there. Yeah. So, so yeah, it took me a while to come to full terms with it, even myself. Right. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people that believe that our earth is, um, facing a huge devastation because of the extreme way we're behaving. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it seems like it's overwhelming because there it's just so widespread and the yeah. attitude is is there everywhere, you know, yes, this is how the world is. This is yeah. when you walk into a grocery store, meat, 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 yeah. you know, you see it everywhere. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. And then no. I think people kind of have that, that mindset, well, we'll deal with that later. Like yes. we still have land when we run out of land, when we run out of, you know, because, because you're right, because if you, if you really break it down, the amount of land, the amount of food, water, um, all the, you know, to keep the animals alive versus if we just went straight to the plant and ate it ourselves, like that's yes. so much waste there. And then the transport it, the gas, you know, if you really look at it like that, it's so much waste and it's not sustainable as the planet grows in population. Like it, we're just going to run out of space for that. Right. And it reminds me of when we were in Newfoundland on the, uh, in August, my family went there on vacation awesome. and they used to depend on the cod. And mm -hmm. the cod were just, there was just millions, millions yeah. and millions of cod. And that's what really uh, provided income for the whole island. And then mm. they literally ran out. Like they, and then, of course, the government banned cod fishing right. for the most part. And so all of their incomes just came to a halt. Yeah. So that was not sustainable. But for many years, everybody did the same thing, really. Yeah. And that's a good point when you say that their income came at a halt because everything is connected and, and it's not just an easy thing. Well, let's just stop using meat, you know, and the, but you're right. right. There's a ripple effect. It's going to affect people's livelihood. And, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of crazy how everything's connected and there's no simple answers for everything, but you know, we got to do the best we can. And, well, and as human beings, you know, we, we want to care, but at the same time, sometimes we want to hide. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of yeah. the things. Now, we want to care as long as it's easy. If it's too hard, yeah. no, I don't want to care anymore. <laughs> exactly. Now, you work with soul-centered entrepreneurs. Yes. And what does that mean to you, soul-centered? Yeah. So really, the, it means they're purpose-driven. So and not that there's anything wrong with making money. I think I, making money is, is a good thing. And I wish all the you know, spiritual and conscious people in the world had the money because then it would be a very different world. But their, um, their whole reason for being in business is not, I just want to make a lot of money. That's like a byproduct of it. But they're real. there's something deeper that mm -hmm. they're being called to, to share with the world or change the world. So there's a deeper purpose, something they want to take a stand for that's really driving it first and foremost. And then the money and whatever else comes with it is, is kind of the afterthought. Right. So Don, what do you do for fun in your life? Oh gosh. <laughs> Besides right. And I know uh, that's one of you, but yeah, yeah fun. for fun. So I, um, I love the beach. I live about four miles from the beach here in Florida. So, um, going to the beach, going surfing. Um, I love dancing. So going out not as much anymore cause I, I have kids and stuff. So, you know, going out late right. to dance, is not always on the agenda, but when I can, or even in my living room, I have like little dance parties by myself. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> So moving your body, does that seem like a mindful experience for you? Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're connected with it, definitely yoga. So I love yoga. I'm, I'm actually um, 
a certified yoga t- instructor as well, and, and I teach yoga, and, and it, it's very mindful because you're literally syncing your your movement with your breath and in time, and there's a certain cadence to it. So you really get connected, and that's why yoga is, is considered to be so spiritual. And um, but you could really apply that to any type of movement or any activity. Even eating can be mindful, like um, right. drinking your. You know, if you're just present with what you're doing, anything can be mindful. So tell me, what have you learned about mindfulness from your children? Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um, yeah, I mean, kids are just, they're so great because they're just really, they're just really present and they're just great reminders (laughs) of what it is. Like they don't care, you know, as they get older, then you start to see them start to get in their head and the, the shifts start to happen a little bit. But, uh, you know, I try to help them through that as much as I can. But, you know, but the younger they are, they just, they don't care. They're just carefree and I'm going to say what I want, do what I want. I don't care. And, and it's, it's actually quite beautiful and, and inspiring to watch. It is. It's too yeah. bad we couldn't sort of keep them there a little bit I more. Know. As they move into teenagehood, sometimes they yeah. become, you know, like all careful and guarded. And, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do much about that, I guess. Part of have the you journey. Ever, have you ever been bullied? I, I always ask this question because I've worked in this field, but, you know, mindfulness can really help. And I wondered yeah. if you have a story where mindfulness would have helped or maybe a story where mindfulness did help. This could be even as an adult or in business or. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I I never really was bullied. I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. I was, you know, I was really quite kind of more quiet and shy as a, as a kid. And so I mm-hmm. think I stayed off people's radar. But, but when you right. said that there's a, a, something that came up, came to mind um, with my daughter, um, who she's 10 now, she'll, or she's right. almost, she'll be 10 in January, but she, um, she's a very sensitive soul. She's a very like old soul, very sensitive. And uh, how that shows up is, you know, like I, I first realized this when she was like four, we went to the vet because my dog had eaten something he wasn't supposed to eat. And, uh, and, and we're in, sitting in the vet and she's like, mommy, I don't feel good in my stomach. And I was like, oh, did you eat something? And she's like, no, animals or hurt here animals have died here and I was like oh my god <laughs> like where did that come from yeah. um but I just realized she's really in tune with with people and she's you know mindful right. of people's um of energy and so how that shows up for her sometimes in her relationship with her friends there was a particular girl who's who's a very sweet you know girl but um if she didn't get her way she would always say to my daughter well fine, then I'm not going to be your friend anymore and right. she would leave and I would leave her, my daughter in tears just from being so sensitive um, and a lot of well-meaning family members would say to her, well, you know, you need to toughen up. Like it's a tough world out there. You need to be tougher. And, and I took a different approach. Mm-hmm. And, um, what I said to her was, no, you're, you're perfect and whole and complete just as you are. And, um, your sensitivity is actually a gift. And sometimes it might not feel like that, but it is a gift to the world. And I think as far as like, you know, how you eliminate the bully is by building up the individual. So when you can be mindful of who you are and just embrace that, even the parts that are difficult, the parts that you might feel like weird about sometimes. And, and that's what I taught her. I was like, no, that's, that's who you are. And, and you don't need to change. The world needs to change um, and really empower her around it. And then, and then we even worked through it with her friend and, and, you know, everything is all beautiful, but it was a beautiful lesson for both of them, even for the friend. It's like, well, she's just expressing how she feels. She doesn't know how to express that in another way. And it's not about you. She's not trying to hurt you. That's about her. And um, so it was a good lesson for both of them. 
Right. Wow. Yeah. That's great how you were able to help her through that. Yeah. That's that's excellent. Don, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Ooh. So just 30 second answers okay. are perfect. <laughs> the first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life? Oh, gosh. Um so I, I, uh, so I was in 30 seconds. So uh, Felix Lopez, I met him in uh, Colorado. He's a healer. And he asked me a question that I couldn't answer. It was, who is the real girl? <laughs> and I was like, this was like 10 years ago. And I was like, oh. and I really, I didn't know the answer to that question. But he actually encouraged me to start meditating and go down that path to, to find the answer. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Dawn? Ooh, um, it's just about being aware of them. I think um, in the past, I would just try to stuff it down if I didn't want to feel it. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel this. Let me just pretend it's not here or, or just be happy or, you know, but no, no, yeah. no. It's, it's really about feeling it, feeling into it. What are you trying to tell me? Sadness or anger or whatever it is. <laughs> How is yeah. breathing part of your mindfulness? Uh, yeah. So um, focusing on breath is a very, really great way to bring you present, you know, just slow inhales and exhales, just right instantly. You're right back in the moment. For sure. Yeah. Could you recommend a book that's related to mindfulness? Um, I would. So I would recommend Conversations with God because <laughs> it's one of my favorite books. There's actually a four-part series, very profound insights in there. And it, it's not direct relation to mindfulness, except I will say if you have a mindfulness practice, you can become connected to an intelligence and a clarity that you you haven't experienced before. And, and it's like you're getting messages um, from God. And, and I know that might sound a little woo-woo for some people, but it really is like that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Can you share an app which helps with your mindfulness? Yeah. So I actually use the um, Insight Timer, yes. which is really cool because if you're, you're familiar with it. I yeah, am, I, yes. It's excellent. Yeah, it's excellent because it's cool because you log on and it's like, you know, 5,000 people around the world. You're up at like five in the morning. You're meditating right now. So it's kind of cool and you can connect with people and it, it tracks over time. So it's nice when you look back and it's like, oh, I've meditated for a thousand hours and, you know, it just feels good. You're like, wow. And you can think like how your life has changed because of that. So it's yeah, pretty cool. It's a it's a great app. And yeah. what does your meditation look like? Do you do silent meditation or do you do guided usually or what's it like? I do si- uh, well, I experiment, but I mostly do silent, so it's it just looks like me on my meditation pillow and, and inhale, ex- you know, just focusing on breath. Um I do yoga before that cuz that's a good way to kind of, you know, get comfortable in your body. But but sometimes I I'll do like chanting um yeah. which is, you know, you you chant along with the music. It's it's an ancient uh, ritual in the in the yoga community, but it's very you become very present. It's almost like a trance like state. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's pretty cool to talk with you because yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> you've got so much energy and so much enthusiasm for life. It's, it yes, just comes yes, right yes. across. It's just oh, wonderful to get a chance to talk with you and share here on Mindfulness Mode. How can we learn more about what you do and and be even more connected? Yeah, so you can uh, go to my website. It's my company is called Blissed Communications. So it's B L I S S E D Communications. Or I love connecting with people on social media. It's just Don Gluskin on Facebook and Instagram. That's usually where I hang out. Right, and yeah. and let me just uh, stop for a second and say that Gluskin is spelled G L U S K. I N and Dawn yes. is D A W N. So Dawn Gluskin, you'll find her on social media. And just to reiterate that the uh, uh, website is Blist Communications. 
Dot.com, a place very worthwhile to go and spend a little time, <laughs> look around, and it's it's a beautiful site and it's informative, and you've really taken a lot of time to make it special. I can yeah, see that. Thank you. Yeah, Don, it's special <laughs> to talk with you. Thanks you so much well. for joining thank you. us. Thank today. you for the work you do. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All the best to you. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.